Now, a lot of great ministry took place, and, and we look forward to doing it again. Uh, thankful for uh, just so many folks that put a lot of time and effort into it. Uh, and so, uh, what a great thing, man. That's what we're supposed to be about, isn't it? Just doing ministry in our community and, and uh, wanting to take what uh, talents we have and, and serve our community, serve our uh, area. And so, we're just thankful for that. Uh, and I and, uh, appreciate Matt and, and all the hard work he did uh, put together that I asked him, I believe the day before, are you overwhelmed yet and uh, for that project? And he was honest and said, maybe just a little, <laughs> uh, but you couldn't tell that he did a wonderful job and I'm thankful for just a great staff, man. They, they, they get after it and I'm so thankful for them um, and uh, just a wonderful time. It took me about 20 minutes to get that helmet off. Um, that I, it was so, well, I say the helmet was so small, it may just, I have a big gourd, but um, it, uh, we did have a good time. So if you have your Bibles with you, and, and I pray that you do, you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 as we end our mini-series among our year-long series of faithfulness and looking at God's faithfulness in our prayers. We've looked at uh, just the power of prayer and, and why we should pray. Uh, but I want to finish uh, us looking at prayer at what most would call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. You could also find it in the Gospel of Luke, but we will read from Matthew chapter 6 this morning. If you have found your place in the Scriptures, uh, opened up your apps, uh, whatever device you may use, if you'll stand with me as we read the Scriptures together. Uh, if we will stand uh, in singing, may we stand even more in the proclamation of the Scriptures as they are being read. And as we read the Scriptures, uh, may it be just a, a spiritual moment for you and for me that God's Word, God is being read aloud. We can hear from Him this morning. Matthew chapter 6, uh, we read, starting at verse 9, Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you know how most would end, for thine is the kingdom, as Luke says, the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for all that you have done in our lives. Father, we pray that we would bring you great honor, that we would bring you uh, great praise as we've gathered here this morning. God, we're thankful that you're faithful. God, help us to be faithful to you, faithful in our consistencies as we praise you and give to you and serve you. God, help us to be consistent in our prayers to you, not because we are faithful in praying, but because you are faithful in hearing. And God, we know there is great power in prayer, not because of the one praying, but because of the one in whom we pray to. Father, help us to be people of prayer. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. This, 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 this
prayer there that we read aloud is not necessarily the Lord's prayer as it would be described as the disciples' prayer. It is a model prayer for you and for me. It is meant to help us collect our thoughts and collect our words as we present those to God, as we come before the Lord in prayer. It is uh, a, a road map to give you an idea on how to pray. It is a suggestion model for people to decline prayer is people who don't read the Bible. Do you understand that? Oftentimes, you call on someone to pray and say, oh, no, 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 I don't pray aloud. You don't read the Bible. Do we hear? Do you hear me this morning? If you are too afraid to pray, you either don't know Christ or you don't read the Bible. Oftentimes, hey, brother, will you pray? Oh, I don't pray aloud. What? You don't pray aloud? Well, I don't know how. What? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. If, we, if someone asks you to pray aloud, just pray this prayer. What a great model prayer. Helps us collect our thoughts. Helps us collect our, our words and our thoughts as we present them to the Lord. It's meant to help us organize our burdens as we pray. Why? So that, so that we are praying in accordance with God's perfect plan and will. Can you pray wrong? Yes, you can. Jesus is teaching that unless we pray according to the perfect will of God, our prayers will never come to pass. Jesus is teaching on prayer. The disciples ask him, how do we pray? Will you teach us how to pray? He's taught them everything else. He's teaching them how to fast. He's teaching them uh, about marriage. He's teaching them about their heart, about telling the truth. And he's teaching all of these things on how to love your enemies and he, on the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what teach us, teach us how to pray. I want to know how to pray. How do I talk to God? How do we pray? And so Jesus not only can just teach them how to pray, but he was the perfect model on how to do it. He was the greatest teacher, the greatest model on what he was teaching. He was not telling them how to do something he was not modeling in his own life. He was yet the greatest example for them on how to pray. If you don't believe me, we know in the life of Jesus, he prayed at his baptism in Luke 3.21. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized as he was praying, heaven opened. It's what happens when we pray. Heaven opens. Jesus prayed before the choosing of the 12 disciples in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. Jesus prayed before the transfiguration in Luke 9, 28. About eight days after these words, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus prayed before he was arrested in Luke chapter 22. Starting in verse 40, it says, When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. And you see the prayer. And then later on, then the angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. He says, why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray. You must 
pray. He prayed while on the cross in Luke 23, verse 46. And Jesus called out with a loud voice uh, to his Father, I'm trusting your, uh, into your hands and I entrust my spirit. And at other times in Jesus' life, he prayed, Luke 5, 16, yet often he withdrew to deserted places and prayed, Luke 9, 18, while he was praying in private. There's no one who was the greatest teacher to teach on how to pray, when to pray, and how you should do it than Jesus. And so that's why the disciples said, you're the best at it. Teach me how to pray. I want to know how to pray. The greatest way to teach the importance of something is to model and prove it in your own life. Jesus was not saying, do as I say, not as I do. He was saying, do as I do. Watch me. And not only that, he brought people with him. He brought Peter and James up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's pray up here in the Garden of Eden in a moment of anguish. He brought them in. Come and pray with me. The greatest way to model something and something that is important in your own life is to prove it, to walk it out in your own life. If you want to teach the importance of hard work, you need to model what hard work looks like. If you want to teach the importance of being kind to others, you must prove and model kindness in your own life. If you want to teach your children to have joy in sorrows, you must model joy in sorrow. If you want to teach the importance of a, having a desire for the lost to come to know Christ, you have to model that in your own life. If you want to teach your children the importance of discipleship, personal discipleship, reading the scripture, studying God's word, we must model that in our own life. If you want to teach the importance of evangelism and, and sharing the gospel, you must model that in your own life. Listen here, in order to teach the importance of prayer, you must model prayer in your own life. I would argue that the reason why we don't see hard work, kindness, joy, and sorrows, desire for the lost, personal discipleship, and evangelism, and great prayer in our churches is because we are not modeling those things. We model how to talk about other people. We model how to get mad and angry at small things. We model all kinds of things, but we are not modeling how to pray. And that's what Jesus was doing. Prayer is not an addition to our lives. It is to rule over our lives. Prayer doesn't just, we don't just add it as an addition to work, school, job, sports, prayer. No, prayer is not an addition to our lives. It is to rule over our lives. It controls our lives. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we decide, everything we get, every place we go should be controlled through prayer. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5, when you pray, when you pray, just before this in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6 before the passage we read, how to pray, verse 5, whenever you pray, when you pray, there is no if you pray, there is no I hope you're going to pray, it is when you pray. You know why? It is understood that Christians pray. Believers pray. Listen, a non-praying Christian is a starving and malnourished man standing in front of a buffet. 
He's malnourished. He is sinking deep in malnourishment, standing before a buffet, and people look at him and go, well, what is he doing? Just reach out, take and eat. A non-praying Christian does not make sense. It does not make sense. We pray, that's what we do, and that's what Jesus began before he modeled and told them how to pray. He says, whenever you pray, there is an expectation that you're praying. So whenever you pray, because that's what believers do, that's what we do, we pray, but too often in the church, we fuss, we complain, we gossip, we discuss, we talk, we argue, we pray, that's what we do. We pray, amen? We pray. When times of sorrow come, we pray. When times of frustration come, we pray. When things don't happen like we think they should, we pray. When life is not working out as you thought, we pray. You know why? Because that's what we do. That's what we do. Dads, when life's not working out and you're frustrated, you pray. You know why? Because that's what you do. And that's what you teach your children to do. We pray. Jesus says, whenever you pray, there is this high expectation that Christians pray. In this model prayer, Jesus not only teaches us that's the expectation, but he also teaches us where, how, and why. Prayer is to be the foundation of the church. The church should be known for prayer. The church should not be known for anything other than prayer. The church today is known for a lot of things. Some good, some bad, some confusing, but the church should be known for prayer. Matter of fact, the church started out of a prayer meeting. That's where we began, out of a prayer meeting. We pray. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, whenever you pray. Now, let's look in this passage. That was the, introdu- that was the introduction, by the way. Jesus tells us in this model prayer, this disciples' prayer, where, how, and why. Let's look at number one, where you should pray. Prayer should be a private fellowship with God. It should be a private fellowship with God. If you look just above our passage for today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, he says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. What is their reward? that people see them praying. The only reward they have is that people would say, oh, wow, look at them praying. Whoa, L- listen to their, it's what, what eloquence of prayer. Wow, look at them pray. That's their reward. You see in verse 6, but when you pray, here it is again, when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Would you rather have the applause of man or the favor of God? Where should you pray? It is a prayer is a private fellowship with God. But many would say, but if I go in there, I'm, I'm praying on my own. I'm by myself. I'm praying to God by myself. And yes, physically you may be doing that, but we do not pray alone. We pray along with our whole family in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So not only do we just we pray alone in our closets, we remove ourselves and pray, but we're praying with all the family of God. As we all remove ourselves and pray, we're having fellowship with God through prayer, As you're doing it, I'm doing it, and they're doing it, and they're doing it. And so we're all praying together. And Jesus says, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Where should you pray? Prayer is a private fellowship with God. But may I remind you that Jesus often says, when you pray, you say, well, no, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to remove myself to pray. I can, I, I, my prayer time is on my way to work. I, that's my prayer time. Can I tell you that's not good enough? If we're going to model and be Christ followers and follow the model of Christ, often it says Jesus removed himself to pray, going to a deserted place to pray. It wasn't on the way to work. It wasn't when you get there. It wasn't at the red light. It wasn't, you know, at, at random times. He, he withdrew himself. Why? Because he wanted to give his total attention to the Father. He wanted to give all of himself to God. You can't do that when you're driving or when you're at work. Should you pray while you're driving? Yes. I've rode with some of you. You should. Ridden with some of you. You should pray. I pray when I'm riding with you. Should you pray while you're at work? Yes. You should pray while you're at work. Should you pray while you're at school? Yes. You should pray while you are at school. The great complaint is they've taken prayer out of school. No, they haven't. They've been taking prayer out of schools. We're just not praying. We're not praying. Oh, goodness, the government's fault. We're taking prayer out of school. No, they're not. They didn't take God out of the schools. God's in you. You take them with you. Go and pray. Oh, my goodness. It's the government's fault. No, it's your fault. It's the church's fault. It's our fault. You can't pray at work. Who says you can't pray at work? I can pray anywhere I go. Amen? I'll stand in the hallway and do it. Not to get a reward from people. Prayer should be a private fellowship with God. Jesus says over and over, when you pray, listen, we pray. That's what we do. How should you pray? Our prayers should be more about the Father and less about us. Our prayers should be more about the Father and less about us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, he begins, Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We often pray to 
see the sick healed. We often pray for marriages to be mended, for red lights to turn green, for money to come, for children to get saved, for children to behave, for children to just be quiet for a couple minutes. We often pray for people to come to Christ. We often pray that he would quit preaching so we can get out early. We often pray for all kinds of things, but that's not why we should pray. That's not why we should pray. Our prayer should be more about the Father and less about us. Jesus, in the model prayer, who does he start with? He starts with God. He puts God in his rightful place. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. The beginning of every prayer in your heart, every prayer you breathe out in your life should begin this way, putting God in his rightful place. Our prayer should be more about him and less about us. In our prayers, we should Put the Father in heaven, the one who has all authority, the one who is on the throne. Your name be honored as holy. God, I pray that your name is being made holy in my life. It should be more about the Father, less about us. Number three, why you should pray. I think this is the one maybe we get wrong often. Why you should pray. We pray to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this is kind of maybe where we, have, we get it wrong sometimes. See, oftentimes we don't pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for them to be healed by, of their sickness. Oftentimes we're not praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for other folks, for our marriages, for our finances to get fixed and for our lives to be easy and no mountains to climb, no valleys to get out of. We're just praying everything's just fine and dandy. That's not why we pray. Why do we pray? To see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. Should we pray for all of those things? Yes. He says, after your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yes, we should be praying for those things. Yes, we should be praying unceasingly, fervently, and with great consistency. God, provide for me. Give me today what I need. Forgive my debts as I am forgiving my debtors. You realize what you are praying, don't you? It's not just something for us to quote. We must be living this out. He says, forgive me, forgive us our debts as we are also forgiving our debtors. The level of forgiveness is maybe based on the level of forgiveness you give to others. Should we pray for these things? Absolutely. Not so we can tire God out to where he will just finally answer our prayers, but we pray seeking and knocking to show the Lord our great desire to see his will completed in our lives. We don't pray over and over and over. And over. So God would say, oh, I'm just tired of you praying. Just give them what they want. No, we don't pray that way. We pray to show the Lord, God, my greatest desire is not to see all these things fixed and healed and taken care of. God, my desire is to see your will be done. 
That is what I want. That is what I long for. That is what I need. It has well been said. The purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. That's the purpose of prayer. It's not to get what you want done in heaven, but to get what God wants done on earth. Amen. That's why we pray. That's why we go to him. So why do we pray? It's more about him and not about us. We pray to see God's will be done on earth. This is why our prayer should be more about God, less about us. Prayer is not about us. Prayer is not about you. Prayer is a way for us to line up our will with God's will. The bulk and foundation of our prayers are normally, may my will be done. We're more interested in our own will than God's will. We need to change our prayers. We need to change how we pray. We need to change our approach. We need to change our heart. We need to change our words. We need to change how we pray. It's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He is changing how they view prayer. If everything you prayed for, listen, why is this important? Why is it important that our greatest desire is see God's will done on earth rather than man's will done in heaven? Why is this important? And I want to tell you this, because if, think about this. If everything you prayed for happened just like you asked, your life and circumstances would be much different and probably far worse. Do you understand that? Like if everything happened just the way you prayed it, your life would be far worse now than it would be if God's will be done in your life. Only God knows what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. Even, I think it's Garth Brooks, thankful for unanswered prayers. Even he gets it. Isn't it Garth Brooks? I don't know. Is that right? Y'all acting like y'all don't know that country. Yeah, y'all know country music. Notice the beginning of the prayer begins with God as the subject, and the end of the prayer ends with God as the subject. Your needs, your desires, your prayers should be sandwiched with God in heaven, with a holy name, and given him all glory, power, and praise. That's where your prayers ought to be. Your prayers should start with God and end with the praise of God. Our prayers start with God because only He can give us this day our daily bread. Only He can forgive us our debts. Only He can provide a means for us to forgive others whose debts are against us. Only He can guard us from temptation and always provide a way of escape. Only He can deliver us from the evil one. If the God of your prayers is not in heaven on the throne, none of those requests will be guaranteed. Why do we start with God? Because the rest of your prayer depends on God. It depends on him. Why do we start our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name? Because if you don't start there, nothing else will be guaranteed in your prayer. We start with God because only he can do those things. It is his kingdom, his glory, his power. When your prayers do not start and end with God's authority and praise, it's like trying to eat a tuna sandwich with no bread. It's messy. It doesn't work. Nothing is holding it all together. You want so badly what's in front of you, but you, you just can't figure out how to get it. You get some of the tuna sandwich, but walk away from the rest because you're frustrated and you're messy. 
Just as a tuna sandwich without bread doesn't fulfill its purpose as a sandwich to you to fill you up, a prayer without God in the beginning and without God in the end does not fulfill its purposes as a prayer. God and God are the foundations of your prayer. So before we go to him with our wants, desires that we call our needs, may we praise him. May we praise him. I'm not saying a tuna sandwich is equal to God. I'm just giving an illustration. It's flawed. I get it. We must start with God in our prayers. We must end with a praise of God in our prayers. God, you are God. You are in heaven. I pray your name is being made holy in my life. You can do all things. You know all things. You are all wise. You are all present. You are all powerful in my life. And because of that, I pray that you would heal my mom. I pray you would heal my child, heal my loved one. You would provide that I may be able to serve you. You would mend this relationship You would forgive my debts and sins. You would help me to forgive those that have sinned against me, God. You would do that because you're holy. You can do that. You have the power to do so. God, I pray that your will would be done in my life, that my will would not take precedent, but God, your will done in my life. And Father, whatever you have for me, I'll have joy in that. And God, I end my prayer saying, all glory and praise been honor all belong to you. Even if you don't answer any of those, God, I'll still praise you. I'll still honor you. I want to praise your name in my life. Why? Because you're God and you're worthy. The choir just say, you are worthy. Are you praying like that? Do your prayers sound like that? Do they sound more like a worship service or a vending machine convention? Are you going to God like that? Jesus says, when you pray, it's my prayer that you are praying. And so when you do it, when you pray, and the Bible teaches that we should pray constantly, constantly. Not so that God gets tired of hearing us pray. Let me tell you this, God never gets tired of hearing you pray, never We don't pray constantly to get God tired of hearing us pray. We pray constantly so that our lives and our prayers let God know, God, all I want is what you want. It's why we end our prayers, Father, nevertheless, I'll praise you anyway. I pray that your will be done in my life, whatever that is, whatever that is, because I know you're in authority. I know you are God. I'm going to praise you anyway. Are you praying like that? I think those, if the church would pray like that, I think revival would begin in our hearts because we are lining our, ourselves up with what God wants. We're lining ourselves up with the will of God, the plan of God, and the heart of God. And I would pray just as Jesus says, The Father who sees in secret will reward you. Will reward you. And that's the reward I want. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're thankful that we get to pray. I have to admit and and confess 
that, Lord, oftentimes my prayers sound more like, let my will be done than yours. God, forgive me of that. God, help all of us in here. God, help us be a people of prayer. Or help the daddies in here. Let them be a, a dad of prayer to teach their children how to pray and the importance of prayer. Help the moms in here teach their children how to pray and that we pray. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be a people of prayer and that, God, before we come to you with any of our needs, God, we will just worship you for a moment and say, Lord, you are Father in heaven. Your name is holy. You are all righteous. And it is on the basis of those things that, God, I bring my petitions, that I bring these requests. And, Father, I pray that we will end our prayers in a worship service, all praise, glory, and honor, and power to your name. Are you praying like that? Listen, I want to I invite you possibly to come and pray like that. I think it's about time we start putting God back in our prayers. Take us out of our prayers and put God back in our prayers. It's all about Him anyway. Just as we said over and over and over again, the greatest prayer you could ever pray, the Bible says, is a prayer of repentance. Coming to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent of my sins. This model prayer is not just a prayer for believers, but it's a salvation prayer. It's a gospel prayer. Because you come before God and say, God, you are Father in heaven. You are actually in authority over my life. I, I have been trying to rule over my life, but Father, I pray you will rule over my life now. Father, forgive my sins. Forgive my debts. Lord, I know you'll provide for me. And Father, I pray that you would save me. God, that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. And Father, I submit to you today. Is that you? You praying that prayer? We end that with all praise, glory, and honor, all power to him. Or maybe you're praying for someone. Maybe you're praying for something. And maybe God's just in conviction in our own hearts that our prayers are more about us than him. And we need to come back and pray to him. I'll be down front. I know Pastor Matt will be down front. We'll love to pray with you and talk with you. Whatever, the God, whatever God's leading in your heart or guiding you or directing you, whatever decision God is leading you to make, we pray that you would submit to that and, and be obedient to that. Father, have your way. That's all we want. We desire that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not ours, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand?